Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. I'm not much of a YouTuber, but I did just get fucked by Celsius last week. It's embarrassing to admit in front of other people that you lost money. I've been calling 2022 the year of crypto carnage. The United States government needs to get off their ass and protect consumers. It's like when you knock one domino over, then the rest kind of fall. In retrospect, it's clear that there was something problematic about how this whole company was set up. What would that money have meant to your life? Everything. There's been a failure of the federal government not to regulate a lot of these entities. I expressed significant concern for how regular people could get crushed. I want to get out of everything. I don't give a shit about crypto anymore at all. The bummer is I can't. Twenty twenty two was quite the year for crypto. Cryptocurrencies went on a wild ride today, promising you these huge returns fast if you invest in cryptocurrency. It started with Super Bowl ads. A trade? Are you sure? Not a trade trade. I'm trading crypto. Crypto logos plastered on multiple arenas. What's uh crypto? And the rich and famous entering the conversation. Fortune favors the brave. We also saw a whole world of crypto influencers emerge on social media. Trading crypto looks like it's all about stacks of big cash. You can make $100 per day trading crypto on Bybit. I'm not much of a YouTuber, but I did just get fucked by Celsius. Jake, is this mic working? This is digital asset news. Don't have a fancy setup. Everything's weird. I don't know what's happening. Welcome to crypto. It seemed like everywhere you turned, already? someone or something was trying to get you to buy crypto. FTX, it's a safe and easy way to get into crypto. Yeah, I don't think so. And I'm never wrong about this stuff. Never. And it turns out he wasn't. Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies have taken a nosedive. About $8 billion vanished. Now they're crashing. You may have heard about FTX, but it isn't the only crypto company that's in hot water for leaving hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of customers in a really bad financial spot. I have to accept that $107,552 is a lot of money to lose. It's embarrassing to admit in front of other people that you lost money in a place that you thought it, it was a credible place. The United States government needs to get off their ass and protect consumers. How was your day at school, babe? Okay. It's important. Three kids? Three. All under the age of six? Yes. So you have your hands full? Totally. But you're also trying to give them a better future? Absolutely. How was your day, babe? Good? Kurt Dell has lived in Southern California his whole life. 
He works in alcohol sales. His wife, Victoria, is a nurse practitioner. That's all I think about when we talk about it is it, it was such, it, it, it robbed them of so much potential. So it's, it's just, it's such a bad situation. This is where you're trading Bitcoin. <laughs> it's where I used to. The bad situation he's talking about, more than $200,000 worth of Bitcoin he can't access in a crypto app called Celsius. Think of Celsius like a bank, but for cryptocurrency. It all began in 2017, when Kurt bought about $30,000 worth of Bitcoin. At the time he invested, one Bitcoin was worth between three and $4,000. But over the next few years, he gradually bought more, riding the crypto frenzy as the value of one Bitcoin soared to nearly $70,000 in late 2021. When it went to almost 70,000, she was kind of saying, hey, maybe we should sell it. And I was adamantly <laughs> against it. His account balance at its height was almost a million dollars. But of course, big rewards came with big risks. In the spring of 2022, a major crash. The total value of cryptocurrencies, everything from Bitcoin to Ethereum to Dogecoin and Luna's Terra, collapsed from almost $3 trillion in 2021 to less than a trillion in 2022, according to CoinMarketCap. More than $2 trillion in value was wiped out in a year. I've been calling 2022 the year of crypto carnage. It started with a huge amount of intense optimism that was quickly punctured and replaced by um, just total catastrophe. The collapse shook the industry and brought a number of crypto companies down with it. Celsius was one of them. All of these different crypto lenders and these hedge funds and stuff, they were all kind of entangled in this web. And it's like, when you knock one domino over, then the rest kind of fall. What the crash did was prompt a kind of run on the bank. People panicked. Um, they thought that their cryptocurrencies were in danger, and they moved to withdraw everything that they deposited in Celsius. And that's what kind of exposed the kind of shaky foundations of the whole company. On June 12th of 2022, Celsius froze customer withdrawals. One month later, the company filed for bankruptcy, saying it owed customers $4.7 billion. So how much money did you think you had when those withdrawals were suspended? It was in the neighborhood of 350,000. What would that money have meant to your life? Everything. My kid's education, my mortgage, my student loans, my wife's student loans. I'd even brought her involved in it, which was another uh, part that made the situation so terrible. She invested some of her money into it too. It's sad that, you know, I feel like we were violated and made victims. I was raised to be a hard worker and so to have a company potentially take away our life, not life savings, but a very big portion of it. Before we go any further, a little 101 on what cryptocurrency actually is and how it works. 
It's a type of money that can be exchanged without any sort of third-party middleman. You know, when you send $100 to your friend, usually you do that through a bank. In the world of crypto, you can, you can do that directly. There are thousands of cryptocurrencies. Ethereum, Solana, Dogecoin. But Bitcoin is the largest and most valuable. Unlike traditional currencies like the U.S. dollar, there's no government or central bank like the Federal Reserve to back up or regulate crypto. If you buy crypto, you can store it in an online wallet where you and only you have access to it. Crypto kind of rose out of the 2008 financial crisis. That whole catastrophe was an example of the failures of the centralized financial system. And it helped inspire this movement to create a parallel financial system that didn't rely on the types of institutions whose bad behavior had caused a lot of people to suffer. But in recent years, a number of companies have popped up that act kind of like crypto banks. There are places like Celsius that promise big returns for storing your cryptocurrency in a kind of high-yield savings account. And a number of those companies have moved or teased moves to Miami. It's a city that's completely embraced crypto. These kinds of technologies can revolutionize the way we experience the world. They revolutionize the way we do financial transactions. Here, you can find Bitcoin ATMs on multiple blocks. There's a crypto school in Wynwood. Enthusiasts gather for crypto happy hours. And you can even pay with Bitcoin at nightclubs. What's going to bring it back, though? Why would anybody put money into a cryptocurrency, given what we've seen? You know, those are two different questions. I think the first question is, uh, it's exciting to a lot of developers and a lot of engineers, uh, which are the ones that propel innovation. The second question is, why should anybody invest in, in it? You know, I don't like to give investment advice. Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. How did you originally find Celsius? I was with BlockFi first, and interest rates started going down. Multiple new platforms popped up. Celsius kept showing up and showing up. So I definitely did not understand the risks associated with it. It was, it was advertised as safer than a bank. The whole idea of Celsius Network was that it was a kind of crypto bank, except better than a bank. You deposit your crypto, it would be safe there, but you'd also get these enormous returns on top of that. It was promising customers 
things like 18% interest, which is obviously much more than you could earn from a bank account. The giant banks can do whatever they want. This is the CEO of Celsius, Alex Mashinsky. Alex Mashinsky is a, is a serial entrepreneur. He was born in Ukraine, grew up in Israel, had attempted a whole series of business ventures before he got to Celsius. But when the crypto surge began over the last few years, he really latched onto it and he became one of the most charismatic pitchmen for crypto. He founded Celsius with two partners in 2017. In five years, it became a giant in the industry with nearly two million customers and a $3 billion valuation. You mentioned the Ask Mashinsky Anythings. Did you watch a bunch of them? Lots of them. How important was what he said in those sessions to you putting money into Celsius? It was very. Today, we're gonna to be talking about all the things that you wanna know about Celsius. Celsius has uh, billions in liquidity. By the way, this is from June 10th two days before customer withdrawals were frozen. Did we help hundreds of thousands of people uh, get closer to financial freedom? That's what counts. That format is exactly what drew people to Alex. We showed the human side of a of, of very complex and technical you know, product. Hi, my name is Tim McLeod, and I worked at Celsius in March of 2020 through 2021, and I was the Vice President of Marketing and Analytics. So the AMAs were, were great. They were hit off, you know, from the beginning. They started to use those to really build and cement trust uh, with uh, all stages of, of Celsius customers. Tim reported directly to Mashinsky. There were times where I was completely sold into his vision. Well, it wasn't his first rodeo, so he was, he makes you feel very confident, like this is going to be the best thing you've ever been involved with. So jump on. Which I think it was for a while. Anita Matwani was one of Celsius's first 20 employees. She helped the company fundraise in its early days, and she still has money tied up on the app. Crypto tokens that the company gave her as a perk. I know what the value of my assets were the year before, when everyone in my life, including my children, were like, sell that shit. And I was like, why would I sell it? It could keep going higher, you know? And I am, you know, I should be in therapy every day with that decision. Both Anita and Tim were gone when the chaos broke out in June. Tim left for a new job, and Anita had been let go years earlier. I felt guilty because I didn't do a better job of, of fully understanding the, the full uh, context of Celsius's you know, financial health. The second part is um, being responsible for marketing, being the person who, who is managing a team to uh, create messages uh, to uh, connect and, and to acquire customers. And um, yeah, it's, uh, so that's, that part is, is very hard. What are the chances you'll get this money back? I'd like to stay optimistic and think that I'll get a, at least a significant portion of it back. When I watch the court case and I'm highly involved in it, I, 
I couldn't tell you that with certainty. You know, I don't think anybody really knows. One thing that's emerged in the bankruptcy process is that in the weeks and months leading up to Celsius's collapse, Alex Mashinsky had actually taken money out of Celsius, you know, taken his own funds that he'd deposited and uh, withdrawn them. The Celsius bankruptcy case is promising to be long and drawn out as bankruptcy cases often are. There was initially hope. Kurt and others thought they could get some relief. But the guy who was potentially going to bail out Celsius and its customers by bidding on its assets, well, he's a bit tied up at the moment. Sam Bigman fried was going around and people were calling him the white knight of crypto because he was offering to buy at least the assets of a number of these distressed lenders to, what, as he put it, you know, make sure that retail investors don't get hurt. He went from this kind of, you know, super rich crypto wunderkind to this kind of crypto king who was going to save the whole crypto economy. Sam Bankman Freed, better known by the nickname SBF. Math whiz from Palo Alto, MIT alum, son of Stanford law professors, philanthropist, always wearing shorts. He also, you know, had this wild hair, sort of this like absent-minded professor look. You know, to wear like schlubby t-shirts, again, I think, to evoke maybe Silicon Valley tech startup founder. He definitely kind of played a very strong PR game, I guess you could say. He's the founder of one of the world's largest cryptocurrency exchanges, FTX. But how exactly did he go from nearly saving Celsius to a Bahamas prison? He ran FTX from a penthouse in the Bahamas. It's similar to this apartment, which was home to a few of his FTX colleagues. It was a super insular community. Sam Bankman-Fried lived in the penthouse of a luxury resort called Albany with nine roommates. And, you know, he basically lived and worked with these people every day. And they were, you know, a friend group and also colleagues. And they were romantic and professional boundaries that were blurring. And, you know, in retrospect, it's clear that there was something problematic about how this whole company was set up. For much of 2022, as the crypto industry crashed and crashed again, Bankman-Fried became widely known as crypto's golden boy. He bailed out failing companies and poured resources into lobbying lawmakers around crypto legislation. He was the second largest donor to Joe Biden's 2020 presidential campaign. He was seen testifying on Capitol Hill a lot. You know, there was just this sort of like more mainstream legitimacy that he was either attempting to bring to FTX or, or bring to crypto or that he projected to the world. He was even compared to JP Morgan, known for rescuing companies during the 1907 banking crisis. You were called the JP Morgan yep. of crypto. Yep. Does that bother you or did not? It doesn't bother me too much. I mean, I think it's something I, I thought was the right thing for the industry. And as we know, he was teasing a bid to take over Celsius's assets. It seemed like he was the answer until FTX crashed too. When did you realize something was wrong at FTX? Some things never smelled right. This is Patrick Hillman, chief strategy officer at Binance, one of FTX's biggest competitors and currently the largest crypto exchange in the world. We talked about it a lot internally. There are some indicators externally for us that were just kind of obvious. So I should step back actually though. 
See, Binance made an investment to FTX, which was their exchange. But Sam had this little entity called Alameda Research, which was essentially a really aggressive hedge fund. You just heard Hillman mention Alameda. Bankman Freed started Alameda before he founded FTX. The two companies were connected, but regulators say there was also a line that wasn't supposed to be crossed. He claimed that, you know, Alameda was separate, you know, it wasn't really run by the same people. Even though he'd founded it, he'd kind of stepped away from it and was no longer involved. On November 2nd, 2022, an article came out revealing troubling details about Alameda. Details that signaled Alameda and FTX were, quote, unusually close. Four days later, Binance responded to the news saying it planned to sell the major stake it had in FTX. At what point was the decision made by Binance to pull the money out of FTX? There was a series of heated conversations that was happening between um, Sam and our legal team over the existence of Alameda and a few other projects, our lack of transparency into it, and what it meant for our investment in FTX. And those conversations became very, very heated. Changping Zhao, or CZ, is the founder of Binance. He's another kind of important, influential figure in the crypto world. Binance is certainly part of the short-term cause of FTX's collapse because CZ did help spark the run-on deposits that exposed the giant hole in FTX's accounts. But CZ is not the reason that the hole was there in the first place. Um, that's due to, you know, mismanagement at FTX and um, potentially, you know, highly criminal mismanagement. When um, people began withdrawing their assets from FTX, a lot of people in the industry that, you know, were looking at how FTX had this sterling reputation were saying, oh, there shouldn't be any need to worry. Like, people are, you know, panicking, but, but there's probably no reason to. Well, it turns out there was a reason to. On November 8th, a week after Alameda's finances were put in the spotlight, Binance announced a plan to come in and buy FTX and save it from bankruptcy. But that offer only lasted a day and a half until Binance walked away from the deal. With each passing hour, it was almost like we had a flashlight attached to a rope that were just like slowly lowering into the hole. And the hole just kept getting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And after about 12 hours, we realized that there was no end in sight for this hole and we couldn't, we couldn't continue this deal and still maintain our fiscal responsibility to our own users. And so we had to walk away from it. The one-time billionaire who has suddenly found his company in financial ruin, Sam Bankman-Fried, stepping down as CEO of FTX as his crypto exchange files for bankruptcy. Many thought Bankman-Fried would disappear, stay silent, but instead he was everywhere. The New York Times, ABC News, The Wall Street Journal. What are your lawyers telling you right now? Uh, are they suggesting this is a good idea for you to be speaking? Uh, no, they are very much not. A lot of people look at you and see Bernie Madoff. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's who I am at, at all. When you look at the classic Bernie Madoff story, there was no real business there. So you don't know what happened to those $5 billion? They were, I mean, they're wired to Alameda. I wasn't running Alameda, but um, uh, I can I can now go back and take a guess at what, you know, where they were ultimately spent. 
a crucial point. Bankman-Fried may not have been running Alameda, but he did own 90% of it, according to the SEC. Amid this media tour, Bankman-Fried was charged by three U.S. agencies, including eight criminal counts of fraud. He's pleaded not guilty to those charges and is out on a $250 million bail agreement, awaiting trial. Bankman-Fried has denied wrongdoing, writing in a blog post in part, quote, I didn't steal funds, and I certainly didn't stash billions away. Sam Bankman-Fried has been charged both criminally and civilly. So what that means is that the Justice Department has accused him of actual crimes that could lead to a prison sentence. And he's been accused of various types of fraud. The basic accusation is that he took customer funds, deposits in the FTX exchange, gave them to Alameda, his trading firm, um, and allowed Alameda to invest them in various ways. He's accused of using those funds to buy luxurious real estate in the Bahamas. Two other agencies, the SEC and the CFTC, have charged him civilly. I'll be a little careful about what I say in a, in a pending um, case. This is Christy Goldsmith-Romero. She's one of five commissioners at the CFTC, an agency that some argue should take the lead on regulating the crypto industry. The allegations are using customer money for personal benefit, for company investments and, and company debt. Um, and when you, when you look at it that way, fraud is fraud. You were sworn in here in March of this year. How many times has Sam Bankman-Fried been to the CFTC since then? I think our chairman just testified. Um, he and his staff met with him 10 times. How would you describe the meetings that you were present for with Sam Bankman-Fried? I would say that I'm a regulator and I act like a regulator. They were not friendly. They were very much questions about the applications. In every single one of them, I expressed significant concern for how regular people could get crushed by what they wanted to do. So did you meet with Sam Bankman-Fried during your 20 months yes. at the SEC? Yeah. Over Zoom, but yes. This is Gary Gensler, chair of the Securities and Exchange Commission, an agency that has also charged Sam Bankman-Fried with fraud. How many times? Twice. And did he request those meetings or did you request those meetings? Oh, they were requested by him. We, we meet with market participants, whether it's the head of J.P. Morgan, the head of Fidelity, uh, uh, small asset managers, and we, we meet with uh, those in the crypto field. Sam Bankman-Fried clearly spent a lot of time in D.C., but that wasn't the only city he was eyeing or pouring money into. In New York on Wall Street, they have the Charging Bull, here in Miami, they've got this guy, dubbed the Miami Bull. Another crypto landmark? FTX Arena, which is undergoing a name change for obvious reasons. Despite the volatility in the industry, Miami's still bullish on crypto. Just ask Mayor Francis Suarez. Do you own any crypto? I do. I what do. kind of crypto? So I get my salary, very, very well known to get my salary in Bitcoin. And are um, you living off of your Bitcoin? No, 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 no. Okay. No, as so mayor, your salary no. is just supplemental. Correct. You don't go exchange your Bitcoin for dollars no. to buy your milk. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. And like I said, we're the 
where the price of Bitcoin will go. It could go to 60, 100,000, or it could go to zero. I mean, that's the risk that I take uh, as a person because I feel like it's something that is significant and uh, can build a significant ecosystem and has built a significant ecosystem in our city. How do you balance in your role as mayor the separation between the fact that there are consumers yeah. who are going to put money in and could potentially lose a lot of money, and maybe they shouldn't, right. with the fact that it does have value to Miami if it brings jobs and if it creates, even for a moment, economic growth. Well, let me give you an example on FTX, right? FTX uh, had decided prior to them filing for bankruptcy that they were going to move their headquarters from Chicago to Miami. You talked yeah, about that. You said, exactly. come here. That's a good news item, right? If a company's coming and creating high-paying jobs, that's something that we should celebrate. What is your vision of five, ten years from now, Miami, crypto, and how it all fits together? Well, I think every city in America, and frankly, every city in the world, I think they all believe that what I call sort of embracing the Web3 mm -hmm. is here to stay. There has to be regulation. Uh, without a doubt, and I think there's been a failure of the federal government not to regulate a lot of these entities, uh, and it's been like a wild, wild west. Regulation. It's a word that comes up a lot when people talk about crypto. Mayor Suarez points to the federal government, but states have power too. And Florida actually eased state regulations this year. But the question isn't just who should regulate but how regulators can actually protect consumers, like Kurt. If you were to grade today regulation of crypto so far, what grade would you give regulators? I think I'd give NA, not applicable. I mean, this just this is an unregulated market and it really needs to be regulated. What do you say to American consumers right now who feel like all of this is too little, too late. You brought your enforcement action right. against Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX, but that was after $8 billion was gone. No, I mean, I think we need to do everything we can. We need to police this, this industry as strong as we can, but we also need greater tools from Congress. And we bring about 750 enforcement actions a year, and some piece of that over four or five years, it's been well over 100 in the crypto space. We could always use more resources. What can Congress do differently? They can give us money for a few hundred more people to do this stuff. That's what you need? Yeah. And can you work with the CFTC on this? Absolutely. We need, as regulators, the ability to go in to inspect, right? To go in and have exams, to set rules. And we need to ensure that there's no commingling of assets. Are you saying you suspected there was commingling of assets at FTX before it was uncovered that there was? What I'm saying is most of these companies, that's how they're set up. They are set up where customer assets are not kept separate from company assets. Would regulation have prevented what happened at FTX? I think regulation would have prevented a lot of it. These firms, these largely non-compliant firms, they know how to come into compliance. It's not a choice, it's the law. They either come into compliance or we'll continue on the path that we've been on. December 2021, there was a bill that 
was being pushed. It's just as like a provision on top of the infrastructure bill. And it was something, again, that the crypto community felt like this is impossible for the industry to comply with. The community fought back so hard on this. It flooded Capitol Hill with like 40,000 calls in three days or something like that. And Congress had never, ever, ever seen anything like that for anything from any industry. Honestly, if there is legislation that's proposed that is going to go against what the industry thinks it should be, then I basically expect an epic battle like we saw last time. What is your advice to a consumer who's watching this right now? This is highly risky. And ultimately, you need to be really careful. Like, what are you willing to lose? Don't get caught up in the FOMO. You're at risk of a field that the business model is taking your assets, commingling them often in ways that are not allowed by our current laws for decades. And so you're also putting your life's earnings at risk. What do you make of the regulators in this space? I think they're asleep at the wheel on this one. I think that they're trying to figure out who's in charge of what. Where does crypto go from here? Crypto will continue to grow. I came into this industry about two years ago, and over the last year and a half, I've really come to understand exactly how powerful technology is. I'm done. My faith is over. I want to get out of everything. The bummer is I can't. It's locked up. I don't give a shit about crypto anymore at all, or any of that. I don't think it was a Ponzi scheme. I don't think it was created for ill will. I don't think the only people who used it were drug dealers and murderers. I do truly believe people see a use case for it and they really truly believed. But now I'm like, I'm out, yeah. I still fundamentally believe that crypto has an inherent value and I still believe that there are so many positive use cases and positive stories. Until we show that this industry can work with regulators, users are still going to be really apprehensive to sort of join. Faster? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Will you ever invest in crypto again after this experience? I would. I would. I, despite what happens with, with Celsius, the fundamental technology is, is solid. It's the um, centralized platforms that caused the problem. I would reinvest, especially now that the market is down. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have the money I once did to do it, but I would. Hey, Kurt, are you gonna ride your scooter too? Wanna ride some scoots? And your three children? What will you tell them someday when they turn to you and say, Daddy, I'm interested in all of this Bitcoin stuff that you're doing, what's your advice to them? I will say, okay, well, just like great grandpa didn't trust banks because they went under in the 20s, now you're welcome that uh, Bitcoin is now a safer play because of the losses that I took. So great grandpa didn't believe in banks? Not really. <laughs> put the money in the mattress. <laughs> and now you put it on the blockchain? Yep. <laughs>